You're listening to a special guest speaker on the Calvary Brighton podcast. So we're going to look at a couple sections of scripture this morning. Uh, so you'll have to be ready to follow along. So you know, get your fingers all uh, nimble and ready to go because we're going to look at a couple of scriptures. But this morning, now the first thing we're going to look at is um, in Matthew chapter 6. Right, so Matthew chapter 5 through 7, uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples. Uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. But really, uh, though other folks were listening, he was teaching his disciples the basic foundational principles of being a Christian, of following Jesus, being a follower. And in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. So let's turn there. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. And Jesus says, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on and he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your Father in heaven forgive yours. So out of all the things that Jesus could have emphasized, right? Treating his name as holy, having God's will be done uh, in everything, right? Providing everything we need. And even uh, keeping us away from temptation. Jesus picks forgiveness to add more detail to. And it says here that if we forgive men our trespasses, God will forgive us. But if we don't forgive men our trespasses, God won't forgive us either. Wait a second, what does that mean? Does that mean our salvation is jeopardy in jeopardy? If we don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive us. We're going to go to hell if we don't forgive. The answer that's no. Right? The Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, He forgives us of all of our sins. Right? So our salvation is not in jeopardy if we don't forgive. This means something different. So what does it mean? So look back at that disciples' prayer. Everything in it, God does for us, except for forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only conditional part of this prayer. It's a spiritual law, quite frankly. So, there's laws here on the earth, right? The law of gravity. If I got up on the roof of this building and I jumped off, 
the law of gravity is going to take effect. I'm going to hit the ground hard, and it's going to hurt. I'll probably break something, right? Same way with aerodynamics, right? Birds can fly, airplanes can fly. All that happens because God set up a law on the earth when he, when he created it of aerodynamics. We take advantage of that, right? Well, there's also spiritual laws that God has set up and is designed as well. Spiritual laws like sowing and reaping. Right? If we sow sin, we reap the consequences of that sin. Right? Forgiveness is also a spiritual law as well. If as we forgive others, God forgives us. Right? That's a spiritual law. That's what he says right here. As we forgive our debtors, God forgives us. It's a spiritual law. He set it up. So let's look at this. Let's look at Let's explore forgiveness a little bit more. Turn with me um, to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Matthew 18. Starting in verse 15. Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says here, starting in verse 15, he says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth are two or three witnesses, Every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear from the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, you know, we've heard this before, and this is not a process of kicking somebody out of the church, right? This is not what were the goal of this this section of scripture that Jesus is trying to teach. It's about how we go about restoring a relationship between us and a brother and sister in Christ. Okay? It's looking at this. And what does it tell us to do? Well, the first thing it tells us to do, if, if a brother is sinning against you or a brother or sister is sinning against us, we go to them one-on-one. -on -one. We do it privately, right? We go back to that person and we discuss that offense, that sin that they committed against us. We don't um, tell other people. We don't gossip about it. We don't backbite them or get a consensus between a bunch of people so we can prove that we're right and they're wrong. Jesus says, go to that person individually. Now, in most cases, that fixes the problem. When we go back and we're saying, hey, man, that thing you did, did, man, that was sin against me. That hurt me. That offended me. That usually solves the problem. Now, Jesus says, hey, look, if that doesn't work, bring somebody with you. 
bring an unbiased third party with you to discuss this situation, this sin. But there's a danger in this. You have to be careful. Because when you bring an unbiased third party, and now you've got that person there and you're discussing that problem, it may be that the problem is your problem. That maybe they didn't sin against you. You're the one that was in the wrong in that. Right? At the end of the day, no, David, I know you think that they did this, but no, this was, you, this was on you. Right? But again, bringing someone along, the purpose of that is just trying to restore that relationship. Now, if that doesn't work, at 99.9% of the time, the problem's fixed. But if that doesn't work, make it public. Right? Tell it to the church. And if they still won't repent, then you're to remove fellowship from them. Right? But the purpose of this and what Jesus is talking about is how to restore a relationship. He goes on to say in verse 18, He says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, I I like the, there's, there's a Bible translation called the Basic Bible English Translation. Done in the 1940s. And this is how this one reads. It says, Truly I say to you, Whatever things are fixed by you on earth will be fixed in heaven. And whatever you, take, whatever you make free on earth will be made free in heaven. What Jesus is saying here is, look, you can fix things. You can restore this relationship. You have the opportunity not only to forgive this trespass and free the other person. You have the opportunity to free yourself as well. Right? That's what Jesus is saying here. Is whatever, if, if you restore this relationship on earth, man, it's restored in heaven as well. That's what Jesus is saying here. He goes on and says, Hey, again, I say to you that two or three of you are in agreement on earth about anything for which they make a request. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So what Jesus is saying, this is about an agreement. Agreement about the problem, agreement about the restoration. It's about putting that offense behind you and restoring that relationship. Verse 20 says, For where two or three come together in my name, there I am among them. Remember, we're Christians. We're all Christians. We're both Christians in this disagreement and Jesus is right in the middle of it the goal of it is to be restored right so Jesus explained look man this is how you restore this relationship there's a process there's a way it works but then Peter came to him and said Lord how often shall my brother sin against me and I should forgive him up to seven times? Peter cracks me up. 
right? He's just like us. We only hear what we want to hear. And Peter only heard the first six words of what Jesus was saying. He heard, if my brother sins against me, right? And then his ears turned off. And that's why he said, hey, seven times, Peter picks at this crazy high amount. If that person sins against me seven times, okay, they're on my last nerve by this point. Do I still have to forgive them seven times? Peter was, you know, thinking, certainly not past seven times. But what does Jesus say to him? He responds to him and he says, Peter, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. What's Jesus really saying here? Now he's saying infinity times, not 490 times, it's infinity if a person comes to you and offends you, you have to forgive them. Infinity times. My, my number for infinity is 56 million. 56 million times, you've got to forgive them. So, I think Jesus understood, wait a second, obviously Peter's not totally getting this, so he tells a story to help them understand. Helps us understand as well. And he starts that off in verse 23. He says here, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he begun to settle accounts. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So how much is 10,000 talents? 10,000 talents would be equal to 60 million denarii. And a denarii is what would be a day's wages for a normal worker. Basically, Jesus was saying it would be 60 million days wages, or 164,000 years. If we put it in our perspective, if we made 200 bucks a day, that's like $8.5 trillion, right? The richest man on the planet here today, Elon Musk, he's worth... $237 billion. No, Jesus said that this guy owed $8.5 trillion. What's Jesus saying, right? It's infinity, right? It's more debt than he could ever pay back. But it says here in verse 26, it says, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold him and his children, his family, and all that he had to make payment on the debt. Okay, if he sold everything, would that actually pay the debt? No, not even close, right? But the servant fell down before him and saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Really? It's going to take you 164,000 years to pay this debt. Could he have paid it? Not even close, right? Then the master, verse 27, says of that servant, he was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him the debt. The king wiped away a debt that could never be repaid. He just forgave it. 
forgiven. Wiped it out completely. I think that servant was probably pretty happy about that, right? But what did he do? In verse 28, it says, But there was a servant who went out and found, but that servant, that same servant who was just forgiven, he went out and found one of his servants who owed him a hundred denarii. You know, about three months' wages, a couple thousand bucks. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell on the ground at his knees and said, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. I'll pay it. But what did that servant do? He, he wouldn't listen. He actually had him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This servant was just forgiven an immeasurable debt by the king, and he really didn't appreciate it. Although he was forgiven so much, he would not forgive that fellow servant who owed, owed him just a little comparatively. So it says here in verse 31, So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. The king always knows what's going on with his servants. Then his master, the king, after he had called him this wicked servant, he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had cat compassion and pity on you? So I'm sure you're all getting the parallel here, right? The, I'm sure the disciples understand. I'm sure you understand now. The king is God. The servant is you. It's us individually. The immeasurable debt is that debt of sin that was forgiven from us that would lead us to hell, right? That debt was freely forgiven, paid for by Jesus. The servants is the rest of us. That small debt that that servant wouldn't forgive, that's the trespass, that's the sin that people commit on us, right? So here's where the spiritual law comes in. In verse 34, it says, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. You see, God wants to pour his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness on us. When we sin and immediately we ask for forgiveness from him, he wants to forgive us that debt without any consequences. However, if we're hard-hearted against those who sinned against us and require payment from them, so God will require payment from you to the very last penny. It's a spiritual law. God set it up. And it's a law that can't be broken. 
right? It's like, like a few years back, I was driving down Bromley Lane, and I was in the 35 mile an hour zone, but I wasn't doing 35, I was doing 40 something. 45-ish. Lights come on, shoot, get pulled over. I'm thinking, oh man, there's 150 bucks down the tubes, right? Comes to the car, he's got his ticket book in hand, driver's license, registration. Of course, my son Joshua is in the car, so it's like, oh great, what a great example, right? Goes back, and he comes back after a couple minutes, and he hands me this little card. He says, hey, um, you got to drive slower. Here's your license registration. Have a nice day. That's grace, right? I deserve the penalty, but I got grace from that, right? That's how God wants to, to work with us. But if I am a person who requires payment from everyone else, God says, well, I'm not going to be able to pour that same grace upon you. You're going to have to suffer the consequences of all your sins. He doesn't punish us. He just allows the consequences to have its results. But that's not what he wants to do. He wants to be kind and compassionate, right? That's his character. But if we live a life that requires payment, then God will require payment from us. That's what he's saying here. But let's look a little bit deeper into this. This is interesting. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Luke 17. And it says here, in verse 1, he says, then, then Jesus said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses will come. You know what? Tell it to you right now. Offenses are going to come. You're going to get offended. It's inevitable. You'll get offended. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were tied around his neck and he would thrown into the depths of the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. So when we're offended, how do we handle it, usually? Uh, we require payment. We hold a grudge. We throw them into offender's prison till they pay back every penalty. Right? It would be better for them to have a millstone thrown around their neck and tossed into the depths of the sea than to have to suffer our wrath. Right? Our wrath of unforgiveness. But Jesus goes on and says, take heed to yourself. Watch yourselves. Pay attention to your attitude. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Right? There's that one-on-one -on -one private going to that person. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day 
in that same day returned to you and said, I repent, man, I'm sorry. You shall forgive him. Like Jesus made it clear in Matthew 18, you have to forgive them from your heart. It's not, okay, I forgive you, but I really don't. No, it's forgiving from the heart. That debt is wiped away. Just like the king wiped away that other person's debt. He's speaking to his disciples, his apostles. And what does his apostles say? Oh, Lord, increase our faith. Whoa, seven times in one day? That's a crazy amount. I could never forgive that number of times in a day. It's impossible. Increase our faith. And I like the fact that the disciples, the apostles, recognized that they didn't have the ability to do that. Or they thought they did. It was in their own strength. I can't, seven times, in, I can't do that. Increase my faith. Give me more of whatever I need to be able to do that, is what the disciples said to Jesus. But how did Jesus respond? He, Jesus said to them, He said, Look, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted into the sea and it would obey you. Now, Jesus didn't use words flippantly. He didn't just, you know, talk without thinking. He had a specific point and a purpose for everything he said. And here he uses a mulberry tree as an example. Now, the mulberry tree has probably the most extensive root system of any tree out there. And I'm sure Jesus pointed to this tree, this mulberry tree that was standing right there. You know, when other trees would get toppled in a storm and uprooted, the mulberry tree stands firm. Well, here's a picture of what one looks like. Right? The roots in this thing are crazy. It goes deep, it goes wide. There's no pulling up this tree. But Jesus said, you could say to this tree, be uprooted, and it would obey you. Sometimes our offenses are like this mulberry tree. They take root in our lives, and we feel like it's impossible to get over them. Impossible. And you know what? For me, this, this kind of happened to me a couple weeks ago. Now, it wasn't a single offense, but it was a series of unfortunate offenses. Man, they just came rolling in one right after the other, and they started building up, and they started rooting right down into my heart. Man, I was angry, frustrated, and I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. Very frustrating. Before I knew it, it was that mulberry tree was in my heart, that unforgiveness. It dug deep. I was amazed at how quickly it dug down. And you know what? Some of you here today with offenses or a series of offenses that have become your own mulberry tree. It looks just like that in your heart. 
And you say, I, I can't forgive this thing. I would say that maybe some of you are even contemplating divorce over this whole thing. I, I can't get over it. That's it. I'm done. But what does Jesus say to do? Do you need to have God increase your faith so you can have forgiveness? Lord, increase my faith? The answer is no. You already have enough faith. Right? Jesus said back in verse 6, it says, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots, and it will obey you. All you have to do is, by the faith that God has already put into your heart, speak to that mulberry tree, that mulberry offense that is rooted into your heart, be uprooted and cast into the sea. And it will obey you. It will obey. And you know what? That's just what I did. It was funny, you know, because I've been preparing for this, this teaching for a couple, three weeks and on forgiveness, right? But it didn't even really click in that this mulberry tree offense was growing. And about four or five days ago, God really brought this to light. And so that's what I did. I said, okay, God, I see this offense and with my mustard seed faith, that little bitty faith that I had, I rebuked it in Jesus' name. Cast it away from me. Pull it out of my heart. And you know what? It uprooted itself immediately and was cast away from me. Immediately. All the anger, all the bitterness, all the resentment was gone instantly. It was just gone. And that could be the same for you. Now, is forgiveness optional? Is it an option? Well, let's look, keep reading here and look a little bit further, starting in verse 7. And it says here, And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, hey, Come and sit down and eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you can eat and drink. Does he thank him that the servant did the things that he was commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we're unprofitable servants. We have done what our duty was to do. You see, forgiveness is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a foundational Christian requirement. Just as breathing is required for us to live, so as a Christian, God expects you to forgive unconditionally and completely just as he through Jesus forgave you. 
He expects that. You are commanded by Jesus to do so. Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14 is one of my favorite verses, favorite sections of verses. And, and it's my prayer, it's my goal. And in verse 13, it says this. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must also forgive. Make allowances for other people's faults. It's the first part, right? Sometimes things that people do are not attended, intended to be offensive. It's just the way folks are. Maybe they're gruff or forgetful or whatever, and it offends you. But it says here that we need to make allowances for other people's faults. We all have them. I have them. God wants us to have grace for those, right? When, when someone offends you, they do something, and sometimes you think, oh, they're offending me. They did it purposefully. No, they didn't. It wasn't even in their heart to be offensive. It just was. The response should be, I'm just making allowances for that, right? You smile on the inside or maybe on the outside. Say, no, that's okay. It's just the way they are. It also says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Right? We need, to, we need to work it to effect that when we get offended, our reaction is to offend back. But our response should be, is just to forgive. Okay, I got offended. I, I totally forgive you. Maybe we don't even say that, but we say that in our heart. I'm, that one's rolling off my back like water off a duck's back. Forget it. Just rolling off. It's not that it doesn't affect me. It's just we make the choice. Not, I'm not going to let it offend me. Remembering that God forgave me. So I must forgive others. God forgave me an immeasurable debt. That little offense should be instant forgiveness. So what about that mulberry tree offense in your life? I'm sure that for a lot of us, God has revealed that. His Holy Spirit speaking to us and showing us that offense right now. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to allow the bitterness to continue and to be planted in your heart? Or are you, with your mustard seed faith, going to speak to that offense, uproot it, and cast it into the sea? forever. God has already given you the faith to accomplish this. Already given it to you. You have that faith to do that. 
instantly right now, all you have to do is want it to be gone. And that offense, that mulberry tree that seems like it can't be uprooted for anything can be uprooted and cast into the sea. It's your choice, really. With God's help, you can do this. I promise you, you can do this. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.